ladies and gentlemen, today is a Tuesday edition of the MSP Initiative Live. Today is January 17th, 2023, and here we are, another month where we're not quite, you know, just a week or so and a half out of uh, vacation time for a lot of people, especially in some of those international territories who surely love to... Uh, Take plenty of time off going into uh, the new year. No, no worries. Welcome back. Hopefully things are getting back into the into the flux here. A couple of housekeeping items like we usually do. Um, let me just go ahead and share my screen. Second. Okay, here we go. So mspinitiative.com, this and every other session we've ever done since March of 2020 is available under sessions. You'll have it in podcast and video format. So hopefully you're not watching while you're driving. Stay tuned. We are working very hard on 2023's MSP community block parties. Now we're looking at a little bit of stuff here as usual in the US and you know possibly abroad in some of uh, the international areas there. So stay tuned once we I have a little bit more kind of, you know, fine print uh, worked out. We'll, uh, we'll announce those. But we do want to uh, tell people, and if you haven't already heard, we're running two in-person sessions this year. We've parked the tour bus from Channel Strong, and now we are doing MSP Community Minds. Two live sessions, one in Dallas, uh, two days, May 8th and 9th, and one in Denver, 14th, 15th. We're bringing a ton of experts, and these are just a few of the people that have already raised their hands that are going to actually go into workshops with you and hopefully come out with something more than a PowerPoint presentation and bullet points where you walk away and say, hmm, I guess I should research into that. And then six months later, you never did. So these people and others are going to actually go into, hey, here's what we're looking to solve for and go into a workshop format with you and hopefully come out with the beginnings uh, of, of something more than ground zero. Okay. So that's kind of the base concept of MSP community mind. So you'll find that on mspinitiative.com under that tab. Last, we just launched a new thing uh, called MSP community offers. Uh, so we have three to start. We have other people that are becoming on board. Basically, these are offers for the community where people have raised their hand and say, hey, I want to do something special. And that's the beginning of that effort. So check out MSP community offers. Tara was the first one to raise their hand. And if you haven't heard of them, come check it out. So those are the housekeeping items. Welcome to uh, another edition here. Uh, looks like we've got some good people in here. I'm supposed to have somebody be signing in shortly. But that's okay. The show must go on until they pop in. We'll uh, we'll see what's happening out in the world. All right, Keith Nelson. Here we go. I'm sitting down. I got my seatbelt on. Go ahead. Your team won last night. Great and, day in America. And Tom Brady may have played his very very last game, either in the NFL or as a as a Buccaneer. What do you what do you have to say about that? Well, first of all, it's a great day in America, where America's team is is. Rolling forward. It's a great day for the NFC East. No longer considered the nothing division. I mean, what was it's it just true. two or three years ago? People were laughing at us that we should have no one in the playoffs at all. Um, it's true. They did say that. Um, I think we're looking solid games this week. We, you and I have kind of chatted online about, you know, the Eagles Giants rematch. I, I think it's going to be, um, I think the Giants are going to hang for a while. I don't think they're as good of a team. I think they'll come out. I think they're well coached. I think they're motivated. 
I think they're playing on um, someone else's path. And I think that changes, you know, the way you play the game. And um, they looked pretty good. We play the 49ers, which is my other son's favorite team, the one that played college football. So we're thinking about road tripping up there. I personally think. I I can't wait to see you on social media in the stadium. Cowboys, Niners. You know, Cowboys travel well. I mean, I don't follow other teams. I'm not saying other ones don't. But, they. I mean, you looked at last night. There's a lot. Hold on. There's a lot of Cowboys fans in California because that's where they do training camp and all that other stuff. And there's a lot of Americans. (laughs) Yeah, right. But even last night in Tampa, we had a good show. You know, like, I, I think somebody said it best. I forget who said it, but it's like the Cowboys are like the Lakers, right? Like there is like, it's kind of like the, you know, when they're doing well, they're the team, everybody, you know, like you've never, never been to the Lakers games. You have no like affiliation with the team, but like, you know, that's the, that's the, the, uh, the shirt that you pick up, right. Or the Jersey you pick up. That's kind of like the Cowboys, right? So I can't uh, tell you, know, you how many people, hold on, not you, not you, but I can't tell you how many people in, you know, in my area here in Philly, Philly Metro, and like there is no ties to the team, right? They've never seen a game live, never been to Texas, don't have any family that was rooting for the team. They just one day decided to pick up and you know the star, right? And like that to me is a little bit of a questionable fan. Do you, do you agree or disagree? I agree. I, I was going to go into something different where if you okay. want to study just marketing, sure. not talking about you watch what Tech Stram did decades and decades ago with the Dallas Cowboys. And why they became America's team. And part of it was they were kind of innovative. They bought radio stations. I don't know if you know this. All over the area. I'm I'm learning. Go ahead. They bought like radio stations in in Oklahoma, Nebraska, New Mexico. Arizona at the time didn't have a football team. They And then they went into Mexico. And they were the first ones broadcasting in Spanish. So they expanded their base. And, you know, Texas is big anyway. It's really big. You know, as a state. And and at that time, there was no second team in, in Texas because, um, you know, the original the original Dallas team is the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh. Yes, the, the Dallas Texans. The midnight move, that was the first move of a franchise. Hmm. And funny, after that, the Hunt family has voted against every other team moving the franchise. Kind of hmm. irony there. But the Cowboys went out and, and picked up all these markets all over that no one was serving and Mm. so and then they were the of course the first ones with cheerleaders and so if you just look at it in a marketing sense you know not talking about on the field um bum bright and and tech stram were amazing marketing guys interesting listen marketing is definitely by you know it is part of the the business plan of any company or should be uh, just referrals is not the, the way it's a way, but not the way uh, definitely uh, something to learn there. And I'm sure in some university classroom or in some mastermind group somewhere, they talk about, you know, how to take some of these you know tactics and, and apply them across the board. But um, yeah, we'll see. Yes. NFC at uh, least no more. And uh, I am fully prepared for the next game coming up here in South Philadelphia, Giants, Eagles, uh, you will uh, you will surely hear me be loud and continuously post good, hopefully tasteful content online about that game. But that being said, let's get into a couple of technology stories just because, you know, I'm going to, you know, try and shift it back to the tech focus. I'm sure the Cowboys will come back into the conversation. Here you go. Today, thousands reporting Microsoft 365 and Microsoft Teams outages today. 
Did anybody experience this? 9.17 a.m. Eastern time. Not that I saw. Well, sounds yeah, like a bunch of people it, did. George, it, it got me. I was I was just trying to complete a transaction on a new uh, car warranty, and my teams went down, and I couldn't finish. Car warranty. Do you even have a car? Oh, that's right. The coal, the coal-powered uh, Jeep, right? Steam-powered, four-cylinder, straight six. It's a, okay. it's, it's a machine. Okay. Well, you know, that's awesome. I still got to see this thing in person. Um, you know, listen, even the big boys uh, get affected here. We, we've said this many times. Actually, somebody uh, that's quoted in this article is saying that these access and outage issues are going to continue to become more prevalent year after year. <laughs> the more we leverage off-premise cloud ecosystem, the more you will see outages and the more risk you'll have as an organization. Microsoft 365 and Microsoft Teams are Michigan critical applications. Uh, it's how millions of people communicate when there when there is an outage. Well, what if that is the thing that's under outage? There needs to be some other form of communications for companies to rely on these services. So, huh? There is. Interesting. The phone. Yeah. Uh, in fact, there were several articles last week related to uh, cybersecurity incidents at, say, I think a school in maybe the Pacific Northwest or someplace. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, they took the equivalent of a snow day and were like, we have phones. That's how we're going to communicate. Forget email for now. Go back to the basics. And I'm not trying to be funny here, but think about Independence Day. How did we beat the aliens? <laughs> was that Morse code? Yeah, it was Boom. Morse code. You, that's such an excellent point. I, I, I had to think about that for a second. I was like, oh, that's right. Will Smith, Goldblum. Yeah, I got you. I remember. Yep. Mm -hmm. I remember having a client that had an outage and, and the, you know, the sales call. I'm going to lose the biggest sale ever because I can't send an email. And I said, you're going to lose the biggest sale out of spite because you can't pick up your phone just because email's down. You're going, how stupid are you? By the way, I wouldn't rely on my biggest sale ever on email, even if it was fully functioning. That's a handshake. Yeah, you're going like, you know what? Old school, I guess as older people appreciate, go belly so, to belly and close the deal. So, so let me ask a question. I think this is not a silly one, but I'm going to throw this out there. Why hasn't the larger IT and managed services community at the MSP level adopted status pages. Like it would be logical for you to put up your own status page so that your customers can like go to one place and that you can communicate with the people that you're responsible for in one place. No, that is an interesting question that you bring it up because we were just, you know, I still, and again, I'm, I'm older. I admit it. I still think people don't want to go somewhere they want that service and that serve. I, I responded to your Southwest post and it's along those lines. We're going to talk about that next. So hold that, hold that. So you're going like, Hey, Hey George, Joel yeah. is on, uh, having some zoom issues still. All good, man. Welcome. Thank you. Thank I don't you. think it's a customer's job to go to our status page, but on I the status page, you can connect email, Slack, teams, text messaging. I mean, basically you just raise, you know, set, set whatever your preferred, you know, kind of route is. And then like the status page is like that kind of connecting point now. Well, if you're pushing it, okay, that's a little different. If you're pushing it like through a Inverisoft or a desk director or for your customers that, you know, need you call someone, I think that personal service is the difference. I really do. But like, isn't half the battle, like you need to, you needing to communicate with people quickly and in mass, right? I mean, no, that's kind of the... No? I think that that has to do with the uh, what the situation is and having an escalation procedure in place. I think that there are outages and problems of different levels of severity that could warrant very different types of 
notifications. For example, I mean, I'm, I'm no longer at an MSP, but when I was at Valiant, we had a number of different levels for when something would happen. Sometimes it is an email that would get sent through, you know, our PSA with a template. Sometimes it's phone calls to, uh, to clients from account managers. It really depends on what it was that was going on. I think it's the messaging, you know, it's like not your systems down, but I give a shit. I, mm -hmm. I mean, I care. I should, mm -hmm. or, you know, I think that's the messaging we miss. We become technical and go, it was on the status page. You know, I think it's the personal, I care about your business. And and Keith, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw one thing out there really quick before you fin finish that because I'm gonna forget it if I don't. No, uh, go ahead. There was a, a scene in the movie Idiocracy where there's equivalent like a Walmart and the guy walking in, "Welcome, I love you. Welcome, I love you." I see that as automation. I see that as the cold side that we're trying to get away from in this conversation. Now, yes, I, I, it's, I, it's, it's that personal touch. You can say the same thing over and over again, but if it, if I know it has no meaning, neither does the messaging behind it. And, yeah. and sometimes getting and picking up that phone and being like, hey, Phil, how are you? I just want to let you know what's going on. We're, we've got it under control. We'll give you an update in the next 30 minutes is, is, is going to make a much larger impression. But again, it depends on, on scale of the event and the size of your staff and whether or not you could actually do that in a way that's going to be genuine. Well, I, I think that I, right there, I think you hit the nail on the head, not to take it back cliche, but like a lot of the staff of MSPs, right? Most, believe it or not, like 80% of MSPs, not, I think Peter said this from service leadership a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago, like 80% of MSPs are like less than 10 employees. Mm -hmm. So if you have 50, 80, hundred, you know, uh, customers, unique customers, and then think about the number of people underneath you, each one of those, that's a lot of communication to happen in a short period of time. So uh, you got to have tools. There, I, I don't see how you can do it scalably otherwise. I don't know. You, you, I, I think it, I guess, you bring us first of all, if you had that many customers, you're not charging enough if your staff is that small. Let's leave there. And let's go to the, let's I mean, go to the next. Well, hold, hold on, Keith. I mean, how many times did you see Luis, who has shifted a couple of different places? I think now he's at Scalepad. And he would do this presentation where he had like a, was it like a $1.X million MSP with only two people? The, 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 the dollar doesn't matter. Okay. I think it's the number of, you, you can't handle that many customers with the type of service to get top dollar with that little staff. But I was going to go to what's easier at each client. I don't have to call every employee at each client site. At least for me, there is someone that's kind of our primary contact. Yeah. Like kind of our, our onsite it guy, who's just our communications director. Right. Sure. And, and like just the other day, you know, because of California can't tolerate rain, Internet goes out, electrical goes out. We can't drive. We're just not, we don't know what to do with the water. Um, you know, the um, the foreman's union phone's internet connection went down. So I called the main dispatcher and I said, I'm calling you on your cell phone to verify your phone's automatically switched over, which I knew they did. And so just let all the guys know their desk phone won't ring, their cell phone will. Okay. I mean, not listen, a that's a good... That's not a bad DR strategy. Joel, by the way, check your email. I sent you a link. But um, that's not a beat, bad DR strategy. I mean, like, at the end of the day, you know, big picture, right? Like, that's something you had control of, Keith, right? You don't have control of Microsoft going down. Or AWS in the East Coast goes down. How many times that happened in 2022 where, like, multiple big level names went down for a day, half day, four hours, right? Because of whatever, right? Like, I mean, big picture, cloud's great. I think we've all heard the message. If you properly implement it and if you properly secure it and if 
you communicate what the plan is when it goes down. And Keith, we've talked about this a number of times where your backup system in a lot of you know use cases was you know the triple carbon paper. Yeah, <laughs> right? I mean, that's okay, right? I mean, but you got to have something rather than nothing, right? Yeah, and, and if email goes down, you know, my call to you would be, hey, you're my customer, George. Microsoft 365 is down. We're aware of it. We're monitoring it. But if you're waiting for that big, important email, you might want to pick up the phone and call that person. Just a tickle but reminder. But, that but there's a way to conduct business. Call? Like I have a power dialer, Keith. I could probably take one person and in a matter of a shift, probably I've seen the most somebody in my organizations being able to actually call in one regular normal shift with the power dialer maybe 350 people. The question is how many people can you call? One at each side. Assuming that that person exists. Well, that, that's part of your pre-strategy. I mean, DR doesn't happen by accident. Part of your strategy, customer service and disaster preparedness is the communication channels. Yeah. Well, what is that? Doesn't that mean you're supposed to have a backup person in case that person's not there? Exactly. Okay. So For sure. maybe we're going to have to have Keith Nelson on the proper way to create your DR strategy. I think you have some good insight. Having lived through a on, couple of events, I think I do. I'm going to put you on stage and we're going to have to learn from you, my friend. Yeah. Um, another quick one, Joel, I don't know if you're, you're having an opportunity to sign into this. I'm, I'm this trying to run the, run the second email and it is still not letting me in. So I, I'm, huh. uh, it's, it's not, it's not going to work. But. Okay. Well, We'll, we'll, we'll just try and you know, wing it and go to the voice side. So just uh, one more thing that I'll sneak in there, and then we'll talk to Joel here, who's, supposed to, you know, who's our guest for today. Um, and maybe you can help talk about this, Lisa, because you're inside the organization. But big email went out last week, and I see that this article popped up where it looks like ConnectWise internally has made a shift to uh, a Salesforce product uh, to like consolidate all of their you know, partner ticketing, case management, I, I guess we could put a fancy word to it, but like effectively you've shifted all ConnectWise, you know, divisions, products, all the support that you're trying to, you know, get from a partner level into a Salesforce solution. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Or did I catch her off guard? Maybe she's just listening in, but yeah, I, I noticed that come through the other day. I wonder, you know, at what point because SaaS and running an MSP can be, you know, differ at times, right? At what point, you know, do, you know, the products that you use to support your customers change, right? I mean, I know that I talk to MSPs all day long and it's interesting when you talk to people who are really coming from the software development side, right? Versus an MSP that does some DevOps internally, or maybe they're coming from, you know, more of a professional services, but not necessarily the full-blown MSP model, right? Where they're actually doing, you know, block time or hourly time, or, you know, they're effectively working backwards against the contract, you know, like these three or four, like kind of variations could potentially change what tool makes sense, right? And I think the other part, you know, that's interesting is scale, right? Once you get to a certain size, you know, do your tools change? I guess the answer is yes, but I'm curious what everybody's opinions are. No, nothing, quiet. All right. Now we just take it as a news item and park it in the back of your head. Joel, welcome from Infima Security. How are you doing today, Joel? 
I'm well <laughs> frustrated with Zoom here. I'm deleting it and, re and reinstalling even at this point. Okay. Well, sometimes technology always doesn't work. First Teams, now Zoom. <laughs> ironic. Um, right. Joel, by the right. way, just a super thank you for help uh, helping support the MSP Community Block Party in Orlando last year, or not last year, uh, technically last year, a couple of months ago. Um, so <laughs> yeah, that really, was great. That was yeah, a blast. I really appreciate you guys for, guys for jumping in and helping support that. And we love those, right? I mean, they're hard to put together and they're a little bit crazy, especially when weather throws like, you know, a wrench into the pipe there. But um, you guys really had that cool, you know, what was it? The rehydration station where like you had this cool <laughs> yeah, yeah. mix. Talk, talk about that, by the way. I think that's like a side business that you work in. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I am I am tangentially involved there, but uh, it is a um, uh, th these these kind of electrolyte packs. This hydration uh, has been um, it has become bigger and bigger. I was actually looking at numbers. Uh, it sold sixty million dollars in two two years ago. The whole category uh, throughout grocery stores, and it sold three hundred and thirty million this past year. So from sixty million to three hundred thirty million, it's it's just become a big deal. We are not hydrated well enough, and especially after we're out out late night listening to a concert and uh, drinking some beers. Uh, so um, you know, really love that business called Hydrant. We're based out of New York, and so we were doing some some uh, kind of cross promotion there, and it, it worked out great because I think some of our uh, community there really enjoyed waking up and having a little hydration and a little Advil. So it's amazing. Yeah, but yeah, they always say the people in the northeast or northeast, northern part of the country aren't out in the sun enough because it gets cold. And so like there's a vitamin D deficiency, right? Because we're just not mm -hmm. getting enough sunlight. But you know, next to that, right? I mean, we're just not drinking enough water. Right. That's part of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, it's it's a silly thing. It seems it seems inconsequential, but it is it's it's so uh it's, it's so significant. So um, I was just you know, doctors something. are even now prescribing it. Yeah, I was just reading two days ago. I forget what uh, article, but basically lack of water intake um, speeds up aging. Well, we're 70 percent water, so it would make sense, right? I mean, that's just <laughs> going by the numbers. It speeds up right. aging. It speeds up aging. I didn't know that. Um, OK, so that's the fun part. of it. So by the way, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good. We hope that you, you know, continue to help us put those on. So. Let's talk about your your regular day job, right? Let's hear about Infema Security. Tell us a little bit about yourself and the company, and you know what you're cooking up over there. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Um, you know, it, it is fun to be a part of this this community. We've uh, this past year was the first time we we joined in with uh, with you guys, George and team, and and uh, I am amazed at the events that you guys are able to pull off. Truly, um, sometimes but, uh, I'm amazed too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <clears throat> so, uh, you know, we, uh, in FEMA, uh, we started in 2017, um, and we do security awareness training. We started with uh, a little bit different model, uh, and then continued to see this demand and need for security awareness training uh, over the last two years. There's been so much more of a push, uh, and, and it's been very concerted the, the demand drivers have been cybersecurity ins insurers. And regulators primarily, and then sort of the third would be, uh, you know, vendor vendor questionnaire requirements. You know, if you're uh, if your clients are vendors to to larger organizations, um, law firms especially are uh, diving in hard because they've realized that they've signed engagement letters that require security awareness training, and they may not have had it beforehand. Um, but but what we do at Infema is we fully automate the process. 
MSPs are already harebrained running around like crazy, as Keith was saying. You know, you've got to have your, you know, you, when you guys were just going back and forth about having your uh, appropriate staff for your level of revenue so that you can maintain the service that you need. Um, and whether or not, you know, how many things can you automate? Can you automate it and just have a status page up and, and you know, so that people can, can go there and hop on and say, oh, okay, you know, such and such is down, I'm, I'm okay. I, I mean, that doesn't typically work with a lot of the S&B community that the, uh, the MSP focuses on and, and serves. And so what we do is specifically in our, in our world of security awareness training, we take everything and make it 100% fully automated. Three clicks and you onboard a customer. Uh, and then we take care of everything soup to nuts from all of your training, all of your reminders, uh, all of your phishing and all of the uh, tracking and retargeting of those, of, uh, those phishing emails for, for every individual user. And we're even looking then at, at uh, behavior with those phishing emails because at the end of the day um, there's we're solving for two things we're solving for compliance uh, we, we and, and to, to that end we provide a security awareness training policy that's tailored for each one of your individual clients and then we're solving for actually enhancing security which is both a knowledge problem and a behavioral problem it likely leans more behavioral if you really think about it because uh, the smartest people in this business can still fall for things, and it is not that they're unaware. It is simply that we make mistakes at times. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to jump in right here, Joel. I mean, people who keep on saying that they don't need it are the people that always get hit. I don't know whether it's the CEO, the owner, <laughs> you know, the, the, the operations or office manager that think they just, you know, they're great. I'm not saying they're not, but isn't, aren't they the most vulnerable ones? Aren't they the ones that if they get hit, they have the access to the bank accounts and all the important stuff. You know, you're absolutely right. The um, it, it is typically those people who don't think that they're vulnerable. Uh, and, and we have somewhat of a profile of that, um, you know, wh who, who that looks like. But, but in reality, uh, so many of these attacks can start at, at just about any level of an organization. Uh, it's just that remarkably, Sometimes the person who actually holds the keys is also the easiest to compromise. <laughs> yeah. I see it all day, every day. It's very frustrating because they're the people that don't want to turn anything on. I also think they're the first people Keith Nelson tells to go find somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Keith is afraid to send somebody along when they don't, when they don't fit. Yeah, I can imagine. So what, I mean, there seems to be, you know, like we're running into a lot of this conversation, right? Security awareness. Uh, I think the problem is, and we've had a couple of other people in the kind of a similar light earlier on back in 2022 say, you know, some of the challenges are inconsistently run. MSP doesn't have time to actually, you know, make sure that it's sent out. New users come onto the company and they're not included into the platform. Um, you know, there's no actual like results capturing, meaning like you couldn't say, well, here's the results you know, over time, right? So you can present that to anyone who raises your hand and says, are you actually doing this? Can you prove that the actual security awareness training is actually being done and implemented? Like these are a lot of the challenges around it. And then, you know, I'm just throwing out some of the things that have come up before. And I think that one of the other problems is like, people think that it's just not really great, right? They think that the content is stale and then they kind of lose interest and they bag out of it. So I'm just throwing well, like, all the stuff against that. the wall here for you. 
Yeah, no, so, I, I appreciate that. I mean, you hit on some several several important things there. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm still trying to get into uh, Shade's even, she's still working on this and I appreciate it. Um, but, uh, you know, to your point on, there's things that, that seem stale and, and uh, may not be uh, interesting to, uh, that, that might not appear interesting in reality, that has been a, a big concern until now it's just a driver. It's, it's just driven by regulatory need. And so some of that goes away when your point of contact or the CEO at the organization that you serve just says, hey, everybody, I don't care if you like or dislike this. This is what we're doing because we just have to. And, um, and, and <clears throat> so back to your point, though, operationally, there is from one of the key, you know, several of the key steps that, that, that we saw through, through automation. So it's sort of the pitch, but also telling, like talking about why it has to be this way is uh, when I said, we do a three click onboarding, we take care of, of, of onboarding all of the users through, um, through uh, it, whether it's in uh, 365 or Google uh, syncing those users uh, that those sync multiple times per day. Uh, and what that means is when, you know, your 58th customer hires 10 new people, you don't have to then run through and make sure that you've got them into security awareness training. Let's fast forward and talk about why that becomes a problem. When you look back and you say six months ago, you know, customer number 58 added uh, 50 new people uh, and we forgot to set them up with security awareness training and now they have a compromise. Mm -hmm. Post breach, that security, that, that life insurer, or sorry, that cybersecurity insurer is uh, totally able at this point to subrogate that claim, meaning go after the third party who failed to do what they were contractually obligated to do. That means, uh, you know, getting sued by uh, the insurer to cover your client's losses. So let me ask you a question, a side question, but it's worth mentioning. Have you ever had somebody that you know get hit by the insurance company because they failed to do something? Do you know, per, have you run it? Have you actually had somebody raise their hand and say that they got hit? We haven't seen it yet, fortunately. Um, though we've we've been reading stories and we've been, we've been writing a little bit more about subrogation in, in our in our blogs, um, and it's uh, it, we're hearing about it a little bit more too from uh, others in the cyber insurance space. Uh, you know, we're we're friendly with some of the some of the community who who you know you you see around. Uh, in there, you know, whether it's like Larry Mater at, at DataStream or other. And, mm -hmm. and so the answer to your question is, I have not spoken with anybody personally on it, though we've been, we've been hearing more about it and there's more being written about I, it. I, I am. Just like I don't, I am. Some people have finally come up and, you know, talked about their experience with, you know, hacks and tools getting compromised in the past. I mean, I surely don't want anyone to get hit, but it's surely a learning lesson to figure out uh, if and when something like that happens what, you know, they're saying why, you know, what, what, what did that process look like? Cause it's probably not a good process. Anyway, I, I have seen it by the way. And Joel, okay. hi, we met in Orlando. I don't know if you remember me. Um, Absolutely. Of course I remember you. <laughs> um, I have seen it doing some forensic audits and I think it's becoming more common. And even at the times that the insurance company doesn't get full relief, you look at the expense. I mean, like, like I said, people talk about getting sued and they go but you'll win i go no you lost the minute you're served you lost it just depends on how much you've lost and just, i think just the cost of defending yourself is what you're saying yeah and and the reputation and and all those things and i think that 
you know, having gone through it, the insurance companies are actually making some really valid points. You make material representations when you answer those questionnaires so they can underwrite you. And so whether you get completely denied or an, an adjustment in the claim, they're going to go through that. And, and then on top of that, not even considering the insurance, anytime you've had that breach and now you have to call people and say, my stupid you know, accounting person clicked on this link. So now we're backtracking all the spam email we've sent out that was bounced off our, our relay. You've lost. I mean, you've lost in reputation. So um, I think I, there's- I mean, the, the, the reputation part, 100% hard to quantify, especially in the beginning, right? But the actual insurance company coming to you and saying, hey, Mr. Downstream, you know, IT service provider, managed service provider, uh, we're now suing you because the claim was for X million and we feel that you- uh, are a little bit uh, responsible for some of this because you said you were doing this and the questionnaire said that it was happening and then actually it wasn't happening. Like, I'm sure there's a dollar amount that comes on that lawsuit, right? They don't just say, we'll, we'll figure it out and tell you what the number is in the end. That's usually not how those start. Yeah. So big picture before I let Joel continue, uh, Keith, since you've seen this, were they successfully able to you know, defend themselves or no, in your example? You know, first of all, I, I stopped staying till the end. I learned that one back in the years when I was a paramedic. I never stayed to see if the people survived because it was depressing. One of them was the insurance company was looking to move all the damages to the guy who used, we talked about this before, who used doctor in his company title and had yeah. no degree. Um, and the insurance company basically said, you know, you were supposed to be doing this. You filled out the form with the with the customer. The judge went along with the customer was the one that was the victim because of unscrupulous advantage. We've talked about those laws. And it was being deferred to the insurance of the MSP who didn't have any. And, and I remember I told you, I think I, we talked about this before. I said, I felt bad for the guy. But he clearly had no clue into what he was doing for a living. Had no clue. Hmm. Just you know, did not understand anything and should, probably should have been, you know, programming cell phones, not running a network, but it's, it is what it is. Fair enough. That doesn't sound like a good outcome in the end for that doctor company, but good to know. So Joel, you started in FEMA because you found that there was a gap in, um, you know, cybersecurity awareness training. By the way, I think it's pretty much I don't know of anyone who shouldn't be doing it at this point. I know a lot of people don't, that should be, but I think that generally speaking, everyone should have something in this category. Um, why did you jump into MSP land? Is it is that what you built your platform out to solve for originally, or did it start with and you know, small businesses and then you kind of did you trickle into MSP land? How did you get how did you go there? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I appreciate it. Um, you know, we started out wanting to serve the SMB community, and uh, when we got into the into this business uh, of providing security for the SMB community, we then became aware of some MSPs, and shortly, or, or, or sorry, of the MSP channel. It was shortly after that that became close, like had sort of. Uh, uh, gotten close again with an old friend of mine. Uh, funny enough, he was a Sunday school teacher of mine when I was a kid, and he ran an MSP here in Orlando. And he just started sharing more and more with me. He, they started using our product and helping us to, to, to learn more. And this is probably 2018, uh, 19. But 
then, and, and, and we had a direct sales and we had our MSP sales. In 2020, um, because of our billing, we do month to month, we saw uh, for, for MSPs, our MSP, our MSP uh, users dropped dramatically. That's a little bit scary, but that's the model that we want to make because the MSPs are the same way. When your businesses were at, you know, any, any MSP on here is welcome to, to, to uh, jump in. But when any one of your businesses, one of your clients went under in 2020, you, you know, you weren't able to go sue them for any, anything of meaning. And you probably just, so you just don't, don't even deal with it. But yet, if you're still having to pay for your vendor's products, that just, something's just not right about that. Um, you know, so, so that's, that's our model. But then we ended, George, we ended 2020 way higher than where we started with our MSP community, our overall users. So we're like, okay, there's something here. And then um, in December of 2020, so this is, this is a little bit of the longer story, but this is, it, it's important uh, for, for uh, how we've really learned the MSP community. In December of 2020, uh, Kevin, my business partner, who's our, our CTO came to me and he goes, Hey, you know, that, uh, that automation that we had been talking about, uh, in fact, that Matt Lee had uh, kind of thrown it out there, like, here, here's a challenge if you guys can figure this out. And he had told us about that summer of 2020. And and Kevin, <clears throat> when he first heard about it, was like, nah, it's, it's not possible. And 2020, or in December, he came to me and he said, you know that thing I, I, I told you we couldn't do? Well, I figured it out. And what that meant was what we were really doing was we were at our onboarding, we're syncing all of the users, but we're also taking care, taking care of all whitelisting. That is so, so critical because every MSP has a different, as much as you want. I have not found anybody who can say, yeah, throughout my entire group of all of our clients, we have the exact same stack for all of their email filtering, all of their email settings, anything like that. It's not possible. It doesn't happen. So when you, when you sign up your, when you set up security awareness training, you are spamming all of your, your end users. So you've got to figure out how you're going to actually land it in their inbox. Otherwise, you actually don't have valid testing. So when he said, hey, I figured this out so that we can take care of the whitelisting, plenty of people don't believe us. So we love that when we're at conferences and we stuff, we say three clicks, come try us. If you don't, if, you know, if we're wrong, you know, just tell us to pound sand and, and, and get out of here. Um, but so in January of 2021, we went partner exclusive because of that solution. When we, when somebody's onboarding with 365, which is 80 plus percent of our users, it is three clicks and uh, they are off to the races. And Google, it's two more steps. Um, but, uh, as, to give you a good, a good, uh, um, example, we had, uh, we brought over a partner, uh, who had 52 end clients that came over from, uh, the largest player in our space that everybody is aware of down in, uh, Clearwater, Florida. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so they, um, when they came over, <clears throat> we set up a two hour onboard in 90 minutes, they had transitioned 52 clients over it's wow. going along. It's going well. So we have our our marketer uh, who does our testimonials and inter client interviews and partner interviews and stuff. And he goes, so he calls him up and has a conversation with him. And, and I'm I'm like, I'm so uh, so intense about onboarding. If you do not onboard well any product, I don't care what it is. If you don't onboard well, you've just got problems. And but if you do onboard well, you end up just crushing your future service needs. It just doesn't. It, it, you know, you cut them in half or cut them by eighty percent sometimes if you can just onboard well. And so he go and I go. How about that onboarding? And and I go. How long did it take when they were with their their prior uh, vendor? They said he goes. Ah, they said it was sixty to one hundred and twenty minutes. I was like, dang man, we were at ninety minutes. Like I really thought we were like crushing it. He's like, no, 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 no. That was one to two hours per client for fifty two clients. <laughs> and now that's that? a whole different story. <laughs> so. 
So we saved them 50 to 100 hours on the onboarding. So then the question is, okay, onboarding, we can always just set aside and be like, ah, I know it's just going to be a heavy lift. But once we're in, they said, no, we're actually saving that 50 plus hours per month now because we were having to do that much in order to manage the prior tool. Wow. So it's like no concept of multi-tenancy. So there, well, there is a concept of multi-tenancy, but there isn't the concept of, uh, <laughs> there is a concept of multi-tenancy. <laughs> we don't need to get into that part there, but it is, it is the automation. It's who's, yeah. who's creating and sending every phishing email. Who's making sure that every phishing email is actually landing because they don't have an automated whitelist. Who's then making sure that all of the training is relevant to those end users and making sure that they, that it lands. And then who's following up with it? Who's creating all of the reports? Some of that 50 hours per month, George, mind-blowingly was just getting reports because they weren't even templatized for them so that they could just pull them and send them. So instead, you know, I can, now, when, now, now, yeah, now you can see why people don't actively check this box because if it's that heavy, yeah, you just don't have the time. That's the problem. That's right. Time. So once once Keith signs up and we're taking care of all the longshoremen through uh, through Vistum, we're going to have the Vistum logo right on there, and then they're just getting sent. You know, those all of those uh, reports are getting directly hit hitting all. Uh, I know. I, know I, you know, <laughs> I was just thinking about this. I was like, huh? So you plugged in this thing, but then nobody actually got it in their inbox, so then nobody clicked. Can you claim that you actually <laughs> were uh, perfect? That wouldn't work, right? Because they never actually participated. I was like, I see what's happening here, right? The tool didn't do anything for them. That's right. That's right. So, uh, you know, truthfully, we, we are very big on testing. And when and when you said, you know, how we got into this, while we, you know, security awareness training was a piece of what we were doing, what we realized is that it is a behavioral solution. And and, and my passion is actually in behavioral science. Uh, my background, I was a, a currency trader and on Wall Street for ten years, and it's. Super fun, but what you learn is that you have to you have to key into your own psychology and the market psychology. And one of the one of the coolest, I think, frontiers for behavioral psychology at this point, because it's been taken into a bunch of different uh, a bunch of different arenas, but is for security. In fact, we've done research with University of Florida with pairing up a psychology professor with a cybersecurity professor. I can only imagine what that would actually look like. It reminds me of the, you know, the two old guys from the Muppets. <laughs> so there, these two already had some interest in the um, effect of on aging, like the effect on aging on the brain and your, uh, your, um, uh, the risk that you have or your vulnerability to scams. That's interesting. It is interesting. So, so what they were saying is, is there's sort of an evolutionary psychology uh, answer to this that is, as you age, you become more dependent upon your community and those around you, which means that your brain should, if, if all goes well, your brain should become more trusting so that you can actually trust those people who you're reliant upon. You know, so that's sort of the evolutionary psychology solution. So we're like, okay, well, we're not dealing with the, you know, 80 plus year old community. We're dealing with the, you know, 18 to 65 year old community. So we need to solve that problem. So they, they already had some interest in the behavioral elements to things, or at least some of the, the developmental psychology issues. And, um, and so throughout our platform, we've then put in behavioral nudges, behavioral uh, insights, you know, so much so that, you know, George, if you happen to, not that you would obviously ever click on a phishing email when it comes up the next day. Hey, George, uh, next time, you know, like we've already told you about hovering over the LinkedIn link to see if it actually says LinkedIn and stuff. But I mean, we're all aware that 
there's plenty of domains that are really good lookalikes. Mm -hmm. And so here's a solution. Instead of next time when you get that, that friend invite from Keith Nelson, who presumably you guys already are, but if not Keith, you should go send him an invite. You know, you guys should be mm -hmm. friends. But just go to linkedin.com or go to your app because it's already going to be there. Why wouldn't you? And, and a, a real world example of this was a recent uh, scam from PayPal. And it came from a real PayPal address because somebody had compromised a, a PayPal for business account. And it said, <clears throat> it literally said, George, uh, your account will be debited for $600 for, uh, you know, this thing that you bought, um, uh, you know, on Wednesday, please sign in and, and, um, cancel it if you don't, if you do not want this charge to hit. It was a real PayPal link. I mean, a real PayPal, sorry, real PayPal email. So that was hard to, to decipher. And then it looked like a real PayPal link. In the end, it wasn't. But by the time you got in there, you had given them your credentials. If wow. you had just gone to paypal.com, you would have seen nothing there. Nothing was actually happening on the real PayPal. Yeah, I think, I think I've seen this, but it's amazing how many people like, it's kind of like Microsoft, right? They're like, hey, you need to you need to do the MFA. It's like, why don't you just turn that on by default? Like, I don't understand why I have to go and flip that switch. PayPal doesn't have the MFA turned on by default either. Why? I don't get it. <laughs> it's, it's the same reason that it's a struggle to get MFA in from, you know, at every one of our MSP's clients. So, so odd. Um, Nobody wants friction. So, 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 the, so what you're saying is, number one, bad guys are getting smarter using legitimate avenues to take you to bad places Two, if it's so hard to implement on board and keep going you're not going to do it three if it never makes it to your inbox it doesn't matter and then four how do you keep how do you keep this going you know over time right because there you know it's almost like the uh what's that infomercial set it and forget it i was just telling this to somebody yesterday you know how many times i saw that infomercial set it they must have sort of billions of those millions of those, but um, there is no, like very often that doesn't happen in MSP land, right? They're like, oh, it just runs, but that usually doesn't mean that it, it's working. <laughs> so we have one of our handouts at a, at a, uh, at the conferences is the, one of the quotes that was just fun from one of our partners, because we do lots of, of partner engagement things so that we can learn from, from them. And and it just says, and FEMA is close to set it and forget it as possible. And that's exactly what, what that, you know, that was verbatim from him. And so it was the foreman grill, right? Was it wasn't or was it? I forget what that was. It was but. the Ronco rotisserie. Set it and that's forget the right it. rotisserie, <laughs> and it just runs. Yeah, set it and forget it. Sorry, go ahead. Continue. That's that perfect. Um, <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> so, um, our our entire design and focus, our, our ethos on, on on how we're building things, is that. If something isn't fully intuitive and fully seamless, it just doesn't get used. And, yeah. it, you know, I mean, Apple showed us this. It, Apple, there is no manual that you go through when you open up your, your Apple phone. And, and it's, there's yeah. a lot It's there. just the very long terms of service that nobody ever reads. Yep. <laughs> Good luck. Um, yeah, our attorney claims he does read it. So he lets us know if there are any changes on that. But, uh, you know, technology needs to be as seamless as possible. And that's, that's, really easy to say and incredibly hard to do. Um, you know, my own dad asks me why everybody can't just have one click checkout like Amazon. <laughs> and I, and the, you know, I'm like, well, that's, 
that was billions of dollars and lots of research to get to, to where, where they got on, on uh, their process. And it sounds so, so simple. But uh, what, what our entire focus is on is because we are a product that you do not, you can't get a lot of revenue out of, but it is a key product that you have to have as an MSP, just like you're saying, George. You have to have it. It's For most of our partners, it is just part of a, their standard stack. It's not even something that you can opt out of for most. Um, and if they do, then it's- If you need to have it, then don't let them opt out, 100%. It right. sounds like I was just checking out your website while you're trying to dial into the Zoom. So no minimums, month to month. Uh, you can add and remove at will, right? Mm -hmm. Syncs to Office 365 in Google. So it can pull, do the ads move changes based yep. on users being added and removed. Um, how does support look like? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're very quick on support because we have very, so few tickets. Um, you know, we have... Um, you know, I, I, we kind of look at it from number of tickets per partner per month or per, per partner per year, or just number of tickets gross, um, you know, and, um, it, it sounds a little bit silly, but, you know, our, we're looking at, uh, you know, generally maybe two tickets per year per partner. Wow. Um, and it, it it's, it's, that's, that's, more so the 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 high end uh, than than anything else. <clears throat> if you onboard well, and we spend a lot of time on it, if you onboard well, then somebody doesn't get their you know doesn't get onto your platform. Is like crap. What am I doing? I need to go ask these all of these different questions. And if we communicate throughout that process and have clarity and don't have all sorts of random edge cases, then the path just goes smoothly. Because at the end of the day. Every MSP has 458 other tools that they need to deal with. And candidly, most of the other tools actually make them more money than ours does. And so ours makes money and it's good margin, but it's on a small dollar price. And so that is why we need to be as seamless and simple as possible for them to, to deliver. You can make it as complicated and painful as you want, but we just elect to not do that. We don't... It, as an MSP, you complicated and painful means that you're going to be six months down the road again, and you're going to be like, man, I bought that thing walking down the trade trail floor, and I never turned it on. <laughs> that's yeah. that's unfortunately and, what happens. And 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 we hate that. I absolutely hate when I'm getting charged, you know, burning licenses, have, being charged for something I don't use. And so, you know, every advisor tells us not to do the month to month like we do, uh, but it is it is part of our uh, you know part of our ethos. It, it you know, our partners can have contracts. Our partners can have contracts uh, with their end clients. It could be multi-year. But if that partner says, go pound sand, it is unlikely for that most of our partners have the wherewithal to actually go and, and pursue a lawsuit there. So yeah. effectively, their clients are month to month. And so, so we need to match that. Okay, so three-click onboarding. I, I, I want somebody to go and Keith Nelson, I'm going to make you responsible. going to do three-click onboarding. <laughs> if it's actually three clicks. If you have time, of course, in between your Cowboys games. Um, so that's number one. Number two, um, the, there's a, the automation between adding and removing users. You don't have to touch it. It's just monitoring Office 365 and Google. So like as move changes, it's already done for you, which is great, unless you don't disable your Office 365 or Google users, which is a whole other problem all to itself. Um, how often, like, do are people getting those test messages, those sp yeah. test messages? That's a good question. So um, our baseline is once a month. 
okay. for every single user across every organization at different times throughout the month and with varying content. So it's not like you're just saying like, hey, that that one from Billy Bob for LinkedIn, don't, don't click on it. Nobody's getting that same thing. And then when somebody does- Because you know, once one person talks about it, they all know, yeah. And again, you, you had talked about the testing stuff. How, how do you have a valid test? If it doesn't land in your inbox, it's not a valid test. If you have a hint, it's not a valid test. If somebody tells you, hey, don't click on that. And then at the, uh, uh, we, in the event that somebody does click, then they are automatically retargeted over the next week. They will get at random, they will get another one. So what that, if you think about what that means is I click January, I click on one, I, I'm going to get another one. If I click on that in the next week, and then I click on that, then February tees up another one. And then I'm going to start snowballing really quickly. And we want that. And, and it's all highlighted in the reporting automatically, but those are the types of things that start sending off the signals that the a, a partner's like, hey, look, you know, you have a problem with this or this or this user who are clicking. Hey, by the way, we should probably go and take a look again at, you know, your your email filtering or your AV or your BDR, whatever, what other process needs to also, you know, hey, we have a great thing that we need to be talking to you about. Here's where it is in this report. Now let's go talk to you about the other things that we need to address too, because clearly. We are not, we do have a people problem. Every organization across the planet has a people problem. We need to just be able to show how that, you know, we try to remediate it, but the partner needs to show how they can also solve that in other ways. It's amazing how many people get spoofed and that spoof leads to money going into the wrong person's bank account, never to be seen again, number one. Number two, I actually saw a company once get hit so many times by this, you know, attack vector that they went to their bank and said, we need a double opt-in process for you to do any transaction. Like that's how far they had to go because they got hit like more than one time. And I'm like, I can only imagine the insurance company is not going to keep paying these out. Like you maybe get one, maybe get two, <laughs> three, four, five, six, and seven ain't happening. Yeah, when you're a repeat offender, yeah. And we have to ask them how long it took them to get MFA, even though they 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 went through the whole process to do that at the bank. So no, so I, I I literally heard this where like every banking transaction is pending. They have to go into a portal and approve them, and then like they have to like do a second thing. I forget what it is to actually release them. And I'm like, that's a lot of extra work at the bank level, all because it started from email. <laughs> it it creates. An enormous, an enormous problem. And for those who have been hit, unfortunately, they start to, you know, everything changes. And, you know, the 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 level that cybersecurity plays in that organization changes. But if you think about it from the attacker's perspective, it's a huge amount of work on the on, on our perspective for the good guys. From the attack, attacker's perspective, they sending out emails costs you nothing. Yeah. Creating new emails doesn't take long. Go into chat GPT and just throw in some prompts and get some cool emails. And you don't even have spelling issues. You don't have grammar issues anymore. Boom, pop those in and start sending them. That's, Finding email I, I, that's odd that you say that because like they're spinning up Office 365 and Google accounts. So they're in server, right? They're in platform and they're using that to send to other people, right? On the same, you know what I mean? And that way it's like, oh, well, it's not coming from India or wherever, right? It's coming in platform. Absolutely. Yeah. So their messages are making it to the inbox. Yours need to make it too. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, you can use that one. I think that was good. <laughs> I'll write it down. <laughs> but but that's a, that's exactly it. You know. Uh, so the objective is to make it so that partners can come in, sign up, 
three clicks, they're onboarded. Their pricing works with uh, alongside what they need. It is white labeled so that they get reporting uh, directly to their client uh, as they desire. It can go directly to a point of contact. And they have a security awareness training policy that is the bow that you tie right on top, hand that to your vendors, uh, to, to, sorry, to your, to your clients, um, uh, uh, your clients' clients uh, for vendor questionnaires, hand that to your regulators, hand that to your, your cybersecurity insurer. Uh, and, and ours has been used for so many thousands of organizations and, um, uh, and it's, it's, it's working great. We love our partners. And uh, so, you know, it's been fun working with the, uh, with, with you guys, George. So I'm, I'm looking yeah, forward no, to we, that. Yeah, no, we love year. this. So Keith Nelson, you going to go try this or what? Yeah, definitely. It's on my, it's on my map where I was just doing, we were changing. So, so we'll, we'll, our we'll, RMM give, and we'll PSA, give you, but next we'll step wait. is we're going to do we this. Wait? Should we say get it done before? your game against San Francisco or after? <laughs> It'll be after. I'm going to have to spend, you know how many hours I'm going to spend arranging to go up to see San go find the right tickets in San Francisco, see if I can get wow. a sideline pass. There's a lot of things uh, I got to do, George. If what you think is going to happen, Keith, that means we, we're going to have to rendezvous in South Philadelphia for the NFC Championship game. Yes. You know, if, if it, it's funny, I didn't even realize till last night, we can get another home game. Not if the Eagles win. No, I'm just saying. That I didn't even know it was possible. <laughs> if the Giants win and we win, we're the home team. That's not going to happen. And the and the sure. NFC Championship game moves back to the capital of the United States, AT&T Stadium. That's not going to happen. Do you know what kind of seats I get there, George? <laughs> no, no, it's not happening. Don't want to hear it. It's not happening. You have to come to Philadelphia. Bundle up, pal. Yeah, I definitely will. Yeah. Okay. All right. Joel, how do we find you? How do we contact you? How do we learn more? How do we sign up? How do we demo? Yeah. So we're active on LinkedIn. You can find us uh, in FEMA. Um, and uh, you can hop onto our site in femasec.com and uh, you set up a, a demo from there. It's very simple. And we only take 15 minutes of your time. You're welcome to give us more if you want, but we can do that demo in 15 minutes or less. And, uh, you know, we just love working this with this community. It's working. Fifteen. Minutes and I, I don't think you mentioned yeah. you have other training on there besides just spam training. Is that correct? Like, there's yeah, a- yeah. Thanks, thanks for asking, Keith. So, so we we hit all of the training that flows down from NIST, from HIPAA, from FINRA, from the SEC, from you know all all of those different governing bodies, uh, and and that is what our focus is across the board on this, the security awareness. And so we can direct our clients into a class schedule or whatever you want to call it a. You know, just say you're a your medical office. I want you to have your office manager do these HIPAA classes and assign them. Is that possible? That's right. It's a, it's a, it's assigned by default. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. We're gonna come. We're gonna come here from you, Keith. I'm gonna bother you till we get the answer. <laughs> okay. All That's right. Fine. Fair enough. All right. Well, this session was recorded. We're gonna post it online at mspinitiative.com under sessions, so you can go back and rewind and be like Joel. I got you saying right here, like, where is it? Show me, show me. Okay. So, so it's going to be up there. Hit Joel's team up, hit their website. Sounds like 15 minute demo. I almost don't believe that, but hey, 15 minutes. If you can't do that, <laughs> you've got other problems. Uh, so definitely check them out. Uh, we're going to continue these Tuesdays, uh, Thursdays, one o'clock Eastern time. Uh, and, uh, you know, if there is a situation where Keith Nelson comes into South Philadelphia, rest be sure, just, just be sure that we'll be, we'll be loud. You're going to have to see him live. You, I may have to like tell him not to walk in certain areas so he doesn't get hit by beer bottles or anything, but we'll yeah. see. 
All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining. See you on the next one. Thanks, George. All right. See ya.